You're listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we firmly believe that love is the answer and we are spreading it like wildfire. You're invited to come spend time with us in authentic connection, growth, reflection, and celebration. Life coach, author, and speaker, Abigail Gazda, will be sharing amazing humans living their hearts unleashed to inspire you to do the same. You will hear from men, women, and young people from all industries sharing their insights and inspiration as they have paved their way to their fullest lives. Here at the Hearts Unleashed podcast, we are turning dreamers into doers. So if you are ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. All right, you are listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. And I have a little joke, you guys. I have two Hoosiers on two weeks in a row. I'm really excited about this. I have a dear friend, Chuck Myers, who is from Whiting, Indiana. Also, last week, you guys heard from Keelan Wendrow from Whiting, Indiana, our magician friend. And if you haven't listened to that episode, please dive back in and check that out. But we are on a new Friday Philip today. I am talking to Chuck Myers about how he's been living his life lately. So we know each other back from Indiana. We may, can I tell them we may have dated for a minute? Oh no. (laughs) That's why it's a claim to fame. I got to tell you. (laughs) Anyway, so what's that for a hot minute? Yeah, I'd say so. He's living in San Diego now and left Whiting, Indiana, left his, uh, career, not left his career, is regenerating his career. And that's what we're going to talk a lot about today. He is a nurse. Can you give me the formal title of your position? Yeah. Um, so I'm a registered nurse, but I work, I work in the ICU. Um, but I've, I work all over now. I mean, I've been, I'm in the ICU. I guess that's like my critical care is like my main role, but I'm in echocard, like non-invasive imaging now, um, MRI, outpatient CT. So I've yeah. kind of like branched out now within the hospital, but yeah. Awesome. Okay. So he is all of those things. And he is also the founder of Martial Arts Med to be a nonprofit in which Chuck teaches classes to uh, martial arts classes and self-defense classes to people who are interested in defending themselves against attackers. Now I've been witnessing this in a really cool way and I love what you've been doing. And so I wanted to have you on the podcast is you are teaching martial arts to nurses or that's at least the full scope and sequence. Yes. That's the, that's the goal. That's the eventual goal. So right now it's uh thank you for having me by the way. Yeah. And um, the goal is to bring self-defense into the hospitals and there are some programs out there now, which I won't name, but I don't think they're uh, very effective, especially the self-defense and actual like physical portion. I don't know who is making these techniques, but um, they're only taught to high risk areas in the hospital and high risk is labor and delivery, um, emergency room, uh, high risk psych units. And um, I don't think I'm missing anything. That's it. And mm-hmm. you know how big the hospital is. Yeah. So there are many other departments and they only, um, re- they're required to only teach those specific areas. And that's leaving out 
you know, probably 70% of the hospital or more. Mm-hmm. And any, any area can be a high risk area. And that's my, you know, it's my opinion. I've experienced it. I've seen it. Um, and beyond just the physical threats, there's a lot of verbal threats that mm-hmm. we take, we, we now take very seriously, but um, people aren't trained. And so I, I would like to bring that to the hospitals right now. I'm also teaching just the general public and doing classes here. Yeah. Um, that's been interesting. Yeah. Well, it's really fun to uh, watch it unfold because, you know, in, in today's world, I, I just saw you on social media and all of a sudden you had this, this new kind of company coming out and, and you're, you're, dancing around on mats and you, and I see your new t-shirt and I'm like, okay, what's he doing over here? And so it was really cool to witness because I think that, you know, this is my personal opinion, being a teacher and also having gone to school with a lot of women who got their degrees in, um, not nursing, some most, some nursing, but also in physical therapy, like more towards the rehab rehabilitation process is that, there's a lot of burnout. There's a lot of overworking. And especially like you said, you're training people to defend themselves in their job, you know? And I definitely felt that experience, at least in teaching when I was working with some wild children and, or, you know, verbal uh, attacking, physical attacking is that there is a need to defend yourself. But besides that fact, this is people going to their jobs where it can be exhausting to be there. And so I was really inspired to see that you took an initiative to create a shift in that paradigm. And so what do you, like, what did you see? What really inspired you besides just the, the threat of it? What really inspired you to get active in this company? Wow. So it's kind of a long story, but I started, um, so I started training jujitsu and martial arts, started in Krav Maga um, about almost about, well, about five years ago now in LA and then there was the jiu-jitsu component which I really loved started taking privates uh, went up in Santa Barbara when I moved there and eventually committing fully to jiu-jitsu when I moved to San Diego um, I had an instructor uh, Mike Sands he he was just like hey we're looking to get CPR certified like do you know anything about that like getting the instructor certified and I was like no, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not certified to instruct. And then he said, well, why, why don't you do that? And I said, well, it's, I never thought about that. So I, what I did was within, I don't know, two months or something, I got my uh, like AHA instructor cert and I certified all the instructors. And that was my start into, you know, martial arts med. And I, I had no idea what I would name it or that it was going to be something, you know, and the self-defense component, none of that existed. But I saw it applicable when I would go to work and, you know, somebody would maybe grab a patient or my great patient would grab my arm or something and I can like gently take their hand off or stuff. You know, when if somebody was aggressive, they can grab you, pull you into bed, whatever, you know, they can, you should know, you know, just at least the basics and the basic concepts of, you know, removing some of these grip, even as simple as that, you know? Yeah. Um, but then, so once I, I brought that, the CPR and that uh, education to the, the gyms, uh, which I've been, um, I have, I've done three gyms in San Diego now, jujitsu gyms. And my goal is to, that's one other side of the whole, um, you know, mark, uh, company is to bring the nursing side to the gyms and first aid and CPR 
So these instructors, you know, they're dealing with kids. They need to know um, how to, you know, at least when to call 911 and how to perform CPR, the Heimlich, all that stuff. So, um, but then that inspired me. Well, I'm like, well, what can jujitsu give to nursing? Mm. You know, and um, that was kind of how the whole idea transpired. And I've, um, you know, I've worked with Clark, Clark Gracie, which is my instructor now, and he's been all for it. He's like, this is great. And he's like, I need to, like, we're, we're working on a program together. Um, and eventually we'll have, you know, uh, we have some hospital specific techniques, just meaning like from a lying down position, um, but they have to be, you know, kind of unconventional positions that, you know, the patient's lying or they're sitting down, you know, how is this going to look? Um, and it can be from any position. So, you know, stethoscope around the neck from, uh, you know, all, all those things. So I'm working on developing a whole program to bring it into the hospital. But that's kind of a story about, you know, from start to finish, like how, how yeah. everything went down. Yeah, I love that. And you brought it up. I know this about you, but I want to bring it into the listeners ears is you're also kind of a traveling nurse, or at least you were. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I traveled for three and a half years. So yeah. now I'm, I'm not a traveler. Um, I like to think I'm still a traveler. at <laughs> So you're, when you're a nomad at heart, you're always a traveler, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I was tired of nursing back home. So like back home, meaning Indiana, Chicago, Midwest, even East, like I've never worked on the East coast, but I, I hear it's very similar. Um, but the staffing ratios and the way they treat their staff is a lot different. Mm. Um, so you end up being overworked and that burnout you talked about happens much faster. Um, so I was like, well, I, I, at first I tried to get a job doing sales in Indiana. I didn't get that. Went, went through the whole like third tier interview, everything got flown down to Bloomington with Cook Medical, did not get the job. Um, and Literally, I got that call. I was like, okay, thank you. Walked in. I was having dinner with my family at the time. I'm like, I'm going to California. Like, I'm traveling. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this is uh, because the dread of going to work was so, so crazy there, you know, that I just, I needed to go. So within like a month, I had all my California stuff filled out, got my license, shout out to California, you know, and I started in LA. Uh, at USC and it kind of like it renewed my my love for nursing because not only was it something different and I was in a whole different you know state and area but the patients um, or not the patients but the uh, the work conditions were much much better so they have state laws here in California that um, protect nurses in terms of like staffing ratios so like i in the icu i can't have more than two patients you know legally mm-hmm. and that it doesn't exist back there i would have three patients in the icu in chicago and it would be very dangerous you know and there would be meant like there would be three nurses on the floor that had three patients and we're talking like you know the sickest patients you can imagine you know fresh yeah. traumas coming in yeah and um so when i came here um, that was the biggest difference. So I just felt I was getting paid more working 
and having way better work conditions. So mm-hmm. floated around the coast for a while. I went to, I was at USC then I was in Santa Barbara for about a year, almost moved there permanently. Um, and there I kind of took some time off in between, went up to San Francisco, did eight months there, came to San Diego and I, was, I did three months here and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm committed. I, so I, I stayed here. So yeah. now I'm at UCSD and I, I work, um, the reason I say I still feel like a traveler is because I never committed fully. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm now um, per diem. So mm-hmm. technically, if I can afford it, which I can't, uh, I can work four, four shifts a month. Um, but that's kind of nursing is great because it gives you that, like, that freedom. You know, if, if I can make money elsewhere, you know, uh, basically I can back off of working in the hospital as well. So that's kind of like my eventual goal. Yeah. Well, and we will get, we will uh, transition in a while about making money elsewhere, but I, um, I wanted to speak a little bit to the way that you took it upon yourself to rejuvenate your career. And I think that this is so important because people like, you know, I imagine that some of our listeners are like, well, great for you, Chuck. Head on out to California. That's really nice. And I agree because here I am too. And, you know, people, you, you get it if you get it. You don't if you don't. It's just that simple. But um, it's just so beautiful out here. However, I think that there are multiple ways that people can rejuvenate their careers their lives, um, showing up to work, even if they have families, even if they have other factors at play. So what sort of advice would you give to somebody who may let, you know, you could speak straight to the nurses and people in, in the medical field, but what advice would you give to somebody who is facing that burnout, who's really struggling and, and kind of at their, the end of their rope? Yeah. Um, so it's, kind of, it's, it's hard to say because it, it's way easier said than done making a change, right? Mm-hmm. But a change could be change your perspective even because I know back home, because that was me. I was going into work. And I was like, this place sucks before. Like my day sucked before I even got into work. Yeah. And I think if I went back now, you know, like I would have to, I hate to say it, but almost like lie to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like meditate and work on just really like saying this place is not that bad. It's really not that bad, you know? Um, but I would say, you know, changing your mindset and exercising, you know, that's, uh, to me, that's like huge because if you're not getting, and, and it doesn't have to be, some people, you know, just don't like exercising or can't exercise, but I would say that, um, they need to find their outlet, whatever mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. to, like that buildup that they get from work. And then like, what, what do you need to de-stress um, and choose something healthy, you know, not, you know, having, you know, a 12 pack of beer after work or, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, finding what do, what do you love to do uh, or what do you, you know, whether that's go play some basketball for an hour or, you know, it, it's hard to find that energy sometimes, but you have to, force it sometimes you just have to force it like some people ask oh well how do you do all this stuff or you know you're going to do this after work like how you, and it's just like I'm making the conscious decision that this is this is good for me this is me moving forward and um, this is my outlet so um, even jujitsu and I love jujitsu there's days that I honestly I have to kind of drag myself there 
Mm-hmm. But once I get there and I get beat up and, you know, I, we, you know, fast forward an hour or two, like, it doesn't matter what mood I'm in. I am now like, I'm like a new person. Like, mm-hmm. And, and I, and I have other things in life that have done that for me. You know, it doesn't have to be something so physical, like, uh, for example, fishing back home, you know, mm-hmm. if I was in a bad mood, I would, uh, especially when I was living in Chicago, it was a spot that I can go fish right behind my place. So I would go down and fish, change my mood, fish for an hour. Even if I didn't catch anything, just the, the, it's, it's almost like meditation. Find what it is that is your meditation, I guess, you know. How can you zone out for a period of time? Yeah, I I love that. Go ahead. Well, I want, I love what you were saying because find, first off, finding a healthy outlet instead of an unhealthy outlet or coping mechanism is a huge difference because that only adds to the spiraling. And so, and we don't even know that we do that until someone calls it to our attention or we I think that we also, we know we're doing unhealthy coping mechanisms yet. So we do it. And then it causes shame and guilt, which causes us to do it more, which causes more shame and guilt, right? And so it's kind of like the same experience of going to work with a bad mindset is your day was done before you got there. So it sucked all the way through. So the burnout continues and it just, uh, that momentum, you'll always create momentum in whichever direction you are committed to. And so um, I love what you were saying about, you know, people kind of questioning you like, how are you going to have time for that after work? Are you going to do that or whatever? I think that what people don't really realize is that when they start to really commit to a healthy coping mechanism or a, just a healthy habit or a healthy hobby, it is energizing. Like you said, even if you don't catch a fish, you got to go somewhere, sit uninterrupted with your own thoughts and just be like, same thing with jujitsu or for me, like same thing with basketball. I had to drag myself into some basketball practices, but you know, once you're, you're, once you're laced up and you're sweating already and you're bouncing a ball, you're like, well, I'm here. I might as well be here, you know? And I think that can actually go for work too. I'm here. I might as well be here and just be present. And I think that our, like you said, it was really great. Shift your perspective. So powerful. And it's so underestimated. People think it's all like being super positive and mantras. And it's, it's not. It's about getting the most out of what the heck you're doing. So really great points. And talking about healthy habits or health, healthy coping mechanisms or, or healthy you know, extracurriculars, you are also a comedian. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, use that very loosely, that term, but you know, <laughs> I've been doing it. I've been doing it for about a year now. Um, and it all started with a bucket list item where I was just like, you know what, let me get on stage one time and you know, let me just see what happens. And I told a story about a patient and, um, this was actually, it's interesting because I, I felt like, okay, maybe I got a couple chuckles up there and like, it's kind of weird. It wasn't a joke at all, but I just told the story that I told to many people, you know? So I think it's funny. So I walked down from the stage and, um, Cedro, which is one of the, he's, uh, he's still in the game. He's, he's been doing comedy for like five years out here. Um, I really respect him. He does clean comedy and, um, he comes up to me. I had no idea who he was. He goes, hey, bro, like, uh, was that your first set ever? And I was like, yeah, that was the first time I've been up there. And he's like, bro, keep doing it. He's like, I, he's like, I saw something there. He's like, 
your jokes, you could have taken taken that in so many directions. Um, but just keep doing it. And I was like, wow, that was that was cool. Like yeah. and fast forward six months. I didn't I didn't do it for another six months after that. So what happened was I, I basically uh well I had separated from my ex and I was like, oh, a bunch of free time that just like opened up in my life. <laughs> so um, I just found myself like hidden in this comedy club and it was Madhouse Comedy Club here. And it was very, um, it was easy to go because it was till 2 a.m. every night and you can kind of just like show up whenever and um, like you'll probably go up at 1.30 in the morning, but you just pop in. And I was exhausted and I was doing this often. You know, I was just like, and it kind of like, well, it slowly was like, one day a week, you know, one day every two weeks. Then it turned into like, now I was popping in every, you know, three times a week. And it, it varied for a while um, until now, you know, the last, like, I would say the last three months, three to three to five months, I've been consistent. Like now I've, I'm going to open mics like every, like three to five times a week, um, producing shows and stuff now. So that's like, yeah, it's been, the last five months have been, very productive, I guess, in the comedy yeah. scene. What's your vision with your comedy career? I still don't know yet, to be honest. I have I have some ideas. So when I went into comedy, I said, you know, at worst, this is going to make me a better public speaker. You yeah. know, at like, if I get nothing out of this, if I get something, it's going to be public speaking, right? I can now I can grab a mic on the stage and feel comfortable. You know, and if you tell me to talk about something unfunny, like that's easy. Like if I don't have to make people laugh, like give me a topic like that's that would be amazing. You know, yeah. um, so that's kind of the, the unfunny side or the just public speaking side. I'd like to eventually like maybe get involved with a company or, you know, somebody that needs speakers and just get hired out for, you know, nursing conferences or, um, you know, just doing speaking um, in a non-comedic manner, but throwing some comedy in there. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of somewhat of the short term. And I know for comedy itself, it's going to be five to 10 years before if, if I want to be in Hollywood at the comedy store, it's going to be five to 10 years. Like there's no, there's no fast forwarding that. And like, I see that through any career, you know, I've been a nurse for almost shoot almost nine years. And like, that's now I, I feel like I have that like higher awareness, you know, that I'm like, all right, now I understand nursing in that deeper level, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it comes easy. So that's the timeline. Yeah. Um, and, and then you see the, the greats, they've been doing it. You know, you see like uh, Dave Chappelle, I think, uh, I don't know, 30 something years and like, you know, and then, you know, revert back to jujitsu. Like, look at like, you know, some of the best, you know, world champions. Gracie, my, my instructor, 30, 30 something years. Like it takes a while to get to that level, like to get to that mastery level. So um, I feel like I kind of went on the random rant there, but no, uh, wait, I feel like I kind of went on the random rant there, but no, uh, wait, I absolutely, I actually literally am sitting here thinking, hell yeah, he's doing my job for me. This is great <laughs> because you managed to bring it all around and wrap it up in the way that what the hell does medical have to do with jujitsu have to do with comedy? Like you're just all over the place, like pick one and go with it, you know? And that's an old kind of paradigm that 
you have to join, like get one job for, for 50 years and be secure and this and that. And it is not. And the, I, I love the idea of being like a Renaissance man or a Renaissance woman where like you can dip your toe in anything and really just, um, I imagine that you're the kind of guy we could drop anywhere with a hundred dollars in their pocket and you double your money and find your way home. And so it's really beautiful because they, while seemingly they don't have anything to do with each other, they absolutely do. And I think that this is beautiful on a grander scale where seemingly people don't have anything to do with each other. And yet they do. We have everything to do with each other. And so as, as much as you can get up on a stage and relate to everybody in the room and make them laugh, you can go to a nursing conference and do the same thing. You can walk into a room with a single patient and do the same thing. You can walk into a gym and do the same thing with a group of students. And I think that that's phenomenal. And I think that relatable. Yeah. I think you got, you know, you guys, uh, listeners, I'm going to tell on Chuck cause he's acting humble, but he's actually an amazing human being. Who's really, really a leader. You are a leader. And the reason I know that about you is because when you speak, people listen, your energy in itself commands presence. It commands respect. And it's really wonderful because you don't, you don't act that way. You don't walk in and say, respect me. Your kindness says, I deserve respect because you give respect. And it's really beautiful to see because you're actually applying all of who you are to all that you can give in this world. And so again, to the listeners who may be struggling in the, in the pits, like my job sucks, my, my this is this and that is that, like, what do you say to somebody who maybe isn't out there actively going for their best life who could totally be rejuvenated by stepping outside the box a bit. What would I say to them? Yeah. Maybe give us an inspirational speech here, Chuck. (laughs) I got nothing. No. um, I think so there's, they say in life, you know, there's like doers and then there's people that say they're going to do something. Right. Um, and I think anybody can be a doer and this, this is so dumb, but like, just do it. Like whatever it is, like, I'm not like, this is the Nike commercial right now. Yes. That's the only answer, honestly. (laughs) But it seems like, it's like, oh, that's easy for you to say. You're a single guy. You're in California. You can do anything, whatever. No, it's like you, like I've seen many you know, I see people in the scene now that like they have a full family and kids and mm-hmm. can't speak for their home life, but they're like dedicated to comedy, but they also work a full-time job or they, you know, so, um, you have to find the time. And if you want to do it, then you have to, I guess you have to make the time, you know, yeah. and, and make that, that first step. Because like I even said, let's say, for example, with comedy, I just got on stage once. So, Okay took me six months to get back into it, but it was because I found the time mm-hmm. eventually. And then even when I found that time, I had to commit myself. It was something I wanted to do, but it was like, there's points where I'm like, do I want to go to this open mic and like try jokes? Like, um, not really. All right, but I got to go, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so just make that decision consciously. When, when you want to do something, you have to just 
and and that goes for traveling people are like yeah well one day like i want to i want to go to maybe it's just california i want to just visit california well buy the plane ticket you know and just do it i know okay there's the financial aspect for sure um but start saving you know start putting yourself in that trajectory to make it there, you know, mm-hmm. because if you're making no changes and you just keep saying things that you're not going to, you're never going to do it. And, um, we only, we have one life at least that we're living right now. So we need to, um, take advantage of the things that you want to do. You, you can't do it. I, w- I won't say that you can't do it in the next life, but you, you need to do it now, you know, yeah. just make the time, make the commitment. Um, if you love it, you want to do it, something interesting, you can always do it once and then say, oh, well, that was fun. And then never do it again. But, you know, just get out there. Amen. I love it. <laughs> I love it because making the time. So I'm going to be talking all about this in my next book. I can't the greatest lie in human history. Like I can't this, I can't that. I don't have time. And it's like, and the whole book is a formal call out about yeah, you can and stop talking to yourself like you can't. But you said something so profound, which is just like, make that just do it. It's actually not that profound, but it is in the same time, because just do it. If you have time to listen to this 40 minute episode, you have time to, like you said, spend that much time saving money or calculating what it's going to cost or signing up for something or writing out the application or just showing up to the place. And I think it's, go ahead. You got some, you got something to add? Yeah. Well, so, okay. For, for myself and maybe like they're in a, in a sense, I'm not cultured in, <laughs> in this culture we're living in because I don't watch TV. Yeah. I watch Zero, zero TV. Same. Unless somebody, if somebody turned it on, I have a TV. I don't know why, because I, <laughs> I bear, I watch it once a month or yeah. less. So, like, what do you fill your time with? So, really, people need to identify that. Yep. Am I, you know, what are you doing? You know, what are like the the things you can change? Okay, yeah. you're taking care of your kids. You're taking them to school. Can't change that, right? Yeah. But you could change scrolling for three hours a day. Yeah. How much time, how, how much are you sitting on your phone? Yeah. How much are you watching TV? So, um, how much time are you staring at a wall? I don't yeah. know. And yeah. you can't do those things if, um, you want to do other things. Do you need to just restructure your time and mm. maybe even get a, get a planner, you know? Um, yeah. But, I think this actually kind of, uh, you're surfacing the conversation around priorities too, because honest to God, I have clients, I have two clients who have five children. So it's not just like a fluke where this one's really successful. No, I have two clients. I've had multiple children or excuse me, multiple clients with multiple children who are more successful than single people not doing anything, but being on their phone. And so it it really is that there's, there's truly no excuse. Even if you feel like it's finances, if you feel like it's your type of career or your location, I'm big about location. And, you know, I felt like in Indiana, I had a harder time building my coaching practice than I did in Chicago or excuse me, in California. However, 
that's not a, that's not a fact. That was my experience, right? Cause I know insanely successful coaches out of Chicago, out of New York, out of the middle of nowhere, right? Having global companies or global impact. And so it truly is about your, we're back to that conversation around perspective and mindset. And I think, you know, you really brought it today with, with something you got to look at and it's something you can't ignore. The location is interesting when you say that, because I don't know what it is about California or myself, you know, and this is like, when I came here, it's like, I felt the opportunity and I felt the comfort of being here, you know, and not to say I can't bring that somewhere else, but it's like, when I came here, it was inspiring, you know, and it's like, especially, you know, the, uh, I don't know if it's the the people in general, like it's you talk to people that are like, oh yeah, I do this, I do that. You're like, huh? Like you have like 27 things going on and <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a photographer, you know, I also, you know, I surf, yep. uh, you know, they're a nurse, they, uh, I don't know, like they're traveling to like Botswana. Like, yeah. Like, huh? Okay, cool. But I like, know. it's, uh, it's something but it, it's also that decision that it, back home and not to like down it at all, but people tend to have like a more closed mindset when it comes to um, everything, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's uh, like, how do you expand that when you're in it? You know, because it's like, um, I got a lot of shit for moving to California, you know, yeah. and like now I'm here, I'm, it's like whatever, but like, um, I just remember like, there's all the thing, like, stop telling yourself, people need to stop telling themselves these like either lies or like the same story all the time. Like, Oh, it's too expensive somewhere. And yes. that doesn't mean just California. It is very expensive, but like, it's not a roadblock. I, I have many people. I know a lot of people here that it's like, well, how do they do it? I mean, they make it work Yeah, and they do normal, you know, they're, they're not, um, you know, they never went to college and they're making it happen here. Yeah. So, um, but people that are, you know, especially, you know, um, in places where it's negative and mm-hmm. they're, they're stuck to one area. It's like, just get out, you know, and, mm. uh, culture, culture yourself, I guess a little bit, but just see that other side of, you know, where people are telling you not to go, like maybe check it out, you know? Yeah. And like, that goes like, sorry. No, no. I love what you're saying right now. And it, it, you know, me enough, it really hits home for me too, because where you're born isn't always where you're meant to stay. And mm-hmm. I think that that, if people just hear that sometimes it lights the lights the fire where you're born isn't where you're meant to stay and you know you've traveled california you've been to other countries you've been doing other things and same here like i moved up to i moved to california i was like oh my god my soul is home right like i, I it's the first place in my life that i don't i'm not seeking anything like life could not change anymore. And I'd actually be really chill with that, right? Like I could just go surf. I could write all day. I could hang out. But I've also been moved up to Portland for a little while. I moved to Arizona for a while. And like still my soul was being called to California. Just because that works for you and I doesn't mean that that's not Minnesota for somebody, right? Like I know lots of people who belong in the snow. I think they're crazy, but that's for them. 
it's easier for for us to do that because there's nothing stopping us from moving right right we don't i mean we have family back there you know but like we're young enough and we're able to like go travel back there but like when you have a whole family and you're like rooted in an area like it's really hard to like move yeah. even if you feel like that place isn't for you yeah um, it would be awesome if it was a lot easier because there's a lot of people that do want to move you know and it's like there's so many things stopping them but, right uh, yeah that's why you know honestly that's why i did it now before <laughs> i did it you know five years ago because i knew that that was like eventually going to be insanely hard mm -hmm. just like i couldn't stand lighting my whole life yeah and it's i mean chicago the city of Chicago is great, but like, yeah, I wanted to get out of the snow and I wanted to make those moves. Um, and yeah, it's been an interesting journey, but you just, yeah, this place is amazing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you said something else too, which I think goes with along the lines of moving, but you were talking about it with success in your career. I think that if we have any vision or dream or goal, right? Because even the phase of having children ends. And I don't mean that, that you outlive your children. I mean that they turn 18, they turn 20, 25. And God bless you, if you did your job well, they're independent human beings who are contributing to society, also wanting to do their own thing and move and adventure, right? And so there does actually come that time, even for parents, that they have a new chance to kind of freshen things up. And it, you were speaking about it in career. You're like, I, you know, I want to maybe be successful in comedy, but that's not going to be for five to 10 years. And you know that, and you're not like sprinting through a marathon because you know, if you start mile one, you're sprinting, you're, you might get through like miles three, four, five, and maybe even six, if you're really skilled and trained, but you are not going to make it to no, number 26, still sprinting. And so there are no shortcuts. It's run a step at a time. You just have to keep going forward and not slow down as often as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's really hard too, you know, Yeah, like stick to it, you know, and that's, it's easy, like, it's easy to get out of that. Like, usually when you get out of something, like, you can, you can come back to it and pick up, you know, where mm -hmm. you left off. But yeah, nothing, it, I've realized that in life, like, nothing's a sprint. There are some things that could, you know, speed up the process, I think, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, dedication and open, like, opening up to other doors by, I mean, networking is huge mm, um, yes. in anything, but. Yeah. Um, create your opportunities, you know, don't wait somebody, for somebody else to do it for you. Yeah. I mean, I'll say that even for the comedy scene, um, I was, you know, I had been doing it for, let's say, I don't know, seven months or something. And I'm, I was bad, you know, and I'm still <laughs> not very good. So like, but the thing is you, um, nobody's going to book my, my thing was like, nobody is going to book me on their show. Not happening. Right. Why would they? There are hundreds of comics here, um, a lot of them better than me, or a lot of them, even even if they weren't better than me, they've been in the scene longer. So like they have that, that, that strong network where it's like somebody's going to book their friend. Why would they book me? So then I was like, well, you know what? Screw all the other shows. Like I am going to create my show. 
and make my opportunity. It, I was lucky to have those skills already, you know, how to do an event, you know, and mm -hmm. just how to put that on. But now it's like I created that opportunity and th that alone has amplified and sped up the process. Cause mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm, when I mean opportunity, I even mean, you know, getting on the stage, you know, mm -hmm. for longer periods of time with a real crowd, you know, mm -hmm. versus going to open mics all the time and hoping, you know, somebody just books me on their show. Not mm -hmm. happening. So yeah, now, yeah. now it changed the game for me personally, but uh, I think you can do that in a lot of different ways, but yeah. Yeah. Creating you, I'm a big believer. If you build it, they will come. So you're taught you're in good company and uh, hearts. You are in good company. We're here to tell you if you build it, they will come. If you keep, if you can hold that vision in your mind and you can just do it, just follow through. And that doesn't mean do it all at once. It means take the next right step towards what you want, where you're going and what you're passionate about in life. I have no doubt that you can get there as long as you know that it's a marathon and it's not a sprint. One other thought on this too, and this is like, could sound bad, um, but you need to choose, well, all these like cliche things you need to choose your friends you need to choose your friends but if somebody's telling you that you can't do something yeah you need to like either get rid of them or tell them or tell them literally like don't tell me i can't do this yeah you know? boundaries if don't respect that then you need to change your friends because you learn over the years you know there's people that will tell you you know you need to quit this or you need to, you know, I, I think you need to, if, if enough people are telling you, maybe, maybe you should, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's not true. I mean, to a point, you know, if you're, if you're really bad, you've been doing it for 10 years, maybe, maybe make a change, but like yeah. find something you're, you're find that passion and then find other people that are either passionate within that or other passionate people. Cause if, if there's somebody that's not making the changes and you're the one that's like, Oh, I want to make these changes. I want to, you know, do this, do that. And then some other person is like, well, why do you need to do that? You have a family. You're just, you know, you're good. You're just sitting at home. Like, that's okay. Like, well, no, but they, they're just projecting. They're telling mm -hmm. you what they're doing and they're only telling you either you can't do it or they don't like not to do it because they will never do it. Yeah. Because well, and they're living. Yeah. And they're preaching inside of their limiting beliefs. Like you said, projecting ugh, and we live by them. We listen. You know what I mean? So many people just accept those things as truth or like, yeah, you're right. I guess I shouldn't. And like you said, if you're, if you're bad after 10 years, maybe you're just bad, but I doubt that. And especially if you're truly following a passion or a gift or a skill and you commit to harnessing it and directing it powerfully, like you can't be stopped. And so, and Chuck, you can't be stopped, man. I see you out there and thank you for sharing all of this insight, all this inspiration, because you're definitely, I, I listen to people who are doing it and you're doing it and it's awesome. You are too, honestly, like, and it's awesome to see all the stuff that you've done like over the years. And like, like I said, like even as, as simple as like me, like booking this, I'm like, Oh, this is like super professional. And like, to be honest, I would, I, I would like to hear a lot more about what you're doing, but you know, yeah. I, I know, I feel like I've talked through this whole thing and I know that's the whole point. <laughs> it's perfect. No, so cool. maybe we have to go on another date then. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll meet. We'll meet halfway. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Yeah, Oceanside. <laughs> Ooh, Encinitas. We're going on a date in Encinitas. <laughs> okay. Where? What? Where are we going? We'll figure it Midnight out. Beach? No. Are you vegan? No, it's going. No. <laughs> no, you're from Indiana. No, you like me. Okay, good. Well, we'll no, book this date. We'll book this date off the call. <laughs> Do you have to go through your through your Hearts Unleashed portal? Yeah, it? yeah. I'm gonna send you a booking link for my dates. <laughs> All right, you guys. Hey, wait a minute. Where can they start following you? Where can they get a date with you? Oh yeah. Um, so follow me. So my Instagram is just Chuck Myers M E Y underscore. So Chuck Myers underscore. Um, my business pages I have at Dose of Laughter SD on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and at Martial Arts Med Facebook, Instagram, same thing. Um, but eventually, you know, with this whole um, like, I'll be mobile with the especially with um well i guess both aspects but martial arts met i want to i want to bring this to the hospitals in different different uh, states awesome awesome well i imagine that we do have some some people in the medical field and so you know you guys if you are interested if this piques your interest please reach out to chuck and i will definitely have all of your links in the show notes so that they can contact you and book you and hear some comedy and learn some self-defense and all the things <laughs> sounds good Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your unleashed heart. Absolutely. Awesome. And thank you guys for tuning in. I hope that this episode inspired you to unleash your heart and make that big change that you've been thinking about making. You guys, we are here for you. You are not alone. And as Chuck mentioned, when you, when you drop the resistance or you drop the people around you that are doubting you, you will find people who support your vision and your passion. So don't quit. Keep reaching out. Keep going for your dreams. Just do it because here at the Hearts Unleashed podcast, we are turning dreamers into doers. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you loved the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, head over to heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.